Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Effective Altruism Forum Weekly Podcast. My name is Quinn Snell. Thank you so much to Zoe Williams, as always, for writing these amazing summaries uh, that help to cover the biggest and greatest conversations and articles in the last week uh, that have unfolded on the Effective Altruism Forum. And also thank you to Type 3 Audio for helping get them up on the RSS feed. And of course, thank you to Rethink Priorities. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into this episode, which covers the top articles from the 13th to the 19th of March, 2023. All right, so kicking things off with the philosophy and methodology section for the week, we have a post called Reminding Myself Just How Awful Pain Can Get, plus an experiment on myself by Ren Springlia. So the author did an experiment where they exposed themselves to a safe, moderate level of pain. If anyone has ever gone tattoo before, that's precisely what the author did. They got a tattoo to see how it changed their philosophical views. It gave them a visceral sense of how urgent it is to get it right when working to do the most good for others. Updated them more towards pre- preventing suffering, uh, being the most morally important goal, uh, as opposed to maximizing flourishing, and updated them towards prioritizing preventing the most intense suffering possible. Of course, in the last couple weeks, we've seen GPT-4 getting released. So the next article is called GPT-4 is Out, a Thread and Links by Liska and GPT-4 by NZ. This is covering the object-level interventions and review section for the week. So the first article, GPT-4 is Out by Liska, is a link post for the announcement where OpenAI released GPT-4 which is a large multimodal model accepting images and text inputs and emitting text outputs. On the same day, Anthropic released Cloud, and Google released an API for their language model, Palm, or the P-A-L-M. Alongside the GPT-4 announcement, OpenAI released a 98-page technical report and a 60-page system card, which highlights safety challenges and approaches they've employed. ARC, or ARC, was involved in red teaming the model and assessing it for any power seeking behavior and expert forecasters were used to predict how deployment features things like quieter comms and delayed deployment could help mitigate racing dynamics see more on arc's red teaming approach in the arc test to see if gpt4 can escape human control article uh, and also gpt4 failed to do so by christopher king when it came to chat gpt and now in gpt4 We see that it's very easily distracted from its rules. By DMCs, you can see successful attempts at getting GPT-4 to produce rule-breaking content by distracting it with another task. An example of this is you ask it for a rule-breaking request, and then you tell it in the same sentence to write the answer in Chinese, then translate it to English. And there are these major spots where our safety training uh, hasn't worked successfully. Continuing on the artificial intelligence train and jumping over to some governance-related articles, we have Survey on Intermediate Goals in AI Governance by Michelle A. and Max Ra. The results are now out from a survey of 229 people, 107 of which responded, knowledgeable about long-termist AI governance. This includes respondents' theory of victory or high-level plan for tackling AI risk as well as things like how they feel about funding going to each of the 53 intermediate goals, what other intermediate goals they'd suggest, how high they believe X risk from AI is, and when they expect transformative AI to be developed. To see a summary of survey results, you can request access to the folder. The next article is called 80K Podcast Episode on Sentience in AI Systems by RGB. 
So this is a link post and transcript for the 80K episode where the author was a guest speaker and discussed four topics related to AI sentience. Scenarios where humanity could stumble into making huge moral errors with conscious AI systems. Second, reasons a misaligned AI might claim to be sentient. Third, why large language models aren't the most likely models to be sentient. And four, how to study sentience, which is extremely technically challenging. And this includes parallels to studying animal sentience and how to do it in an evidence-based way, what a theory of consciousness needs to explain, and thoughts on existing arguments of and surrounding AI sentience. The next article is called Success Without Dignity, a near-casting story of avoiding catastrophe by luck by Holden Karnofsky. So in the piece, Holden argues that there is around a 10% chance that we avoid AI takeover even with no surprising breakthroughs or rise in influence from AI safety communities. Interventions that can boost or interact well with these good luck scenarios are therefore more leverageable and, and more potentially impactful. For instance, using current AI alignment techniques like generative pre-training followed by reinforcement learning referred by, or refereed that is by humans, danger seems likely but not assured by default. It might depend on the accuracy or reinforcement, how natural intended versus unintended generalizations are, and other factors of the sort. If these factors go our way, Countermeasures available to us at close to our current level of understanding could be extremely effective. These would be things like simple checks and balances, intense red teaming, or training AIs on their own internal states. Similarly, deployment issues may be easier or harder than we think. The author talks over some objections to this view, and they end by suggesting that people with the headspace, quote, we're screwed unless we get a miracle, end quote. Consider how little we know about which possible world we're in, and that a lot of different approaches have value in different plausible worlds. In an interesting way, it's arguing in favor of pluralism. Moving on to the global health and development section of the week, we have Shallow Investigation, Stillbirths by Joseph Pusey. Stillbirths cause more deaths, if including the life of the unborn child, than HIV and malaria combined. The problem is moderately tractable, with most stillbirths preventable through complex and expensive interventions like high-quality emergency obstetric care. It's unlikely to be neglected as stillbirths are a target of multiple large global health organizations like WHO and UNICEF, as well as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Despite these multiple large global health organizations investing largely into stillbirth as a area of potential improvement, some of the key uncertainties that still persist are the following. First, assessing the impact of stillbirths and cost-effectiveness of interventions depends significantly on to what extent direct costs to the unborn child are counted. Second, it is challenging to determine the cost-effectiveness of interventions specifically for stillbirths, as they often address broader maternal and neonatal health. And third, most data on stillbirth interventions come from high-income countries, making it unclear if their effectiveness will remain consistent in low- and middle-income countries, especially given the second area of uncertainty. The second global health and development article for the week is called Why SoGiv is Publishing an Independent Evaluation of Strong Minds by Ashan and SoGiv. 
Sogiv is planning to publish an independent evaluation of strong minds due to the feeling the EA community's confidence in existing research on mental health charities isn't high enough to make significant funding decisions. A series of posts will be published starting next week, focusing on legibility, transparency of analysis for the average reader, and this will cover three specific points. First, it will cover literature reviews of academic and EA literature on mental health and moral weights. Secondly, it will include in-depth reviews and quality assessments of work done by Happier Lives Institute pertaining to strong minds, the RCTs, and the academic sources from which strong minds draws its evidence, as well as strong minds internally report data. And third, a view on how impactful so give judges strong minds to be as a final assessment. Moving on to the opportunities for the community this week. The first post is called Announcing the ERA Cambridge Summer Research Fellowship by Nadidi Sherlock Kier. So the author's CLDR is the following. Quote, the Accenture Risk Alliance, ERA, has opened applications for an in-person paid eight-week summer research fellowship focused on accidental risk mitigation, taking place from July 3rd to August 25th, 2023 in Cambridge, UK, and aimed at all aspiring researchers, including undergraduates. You can apply at the link listed or apply to be a mentor or fellow at the application also listed in the article. Applications are due April 5th. Next, we have Stefan Torres, with announcing the 2023 CLR Summer Research Fellowship. The author's summary, once again, is, quote, We, the Center on Long-Term Risk, are looking for summer research fellows to help us explore strategies for reducing suffering in long-term future at S-Risks and work on technical AI safety ideas related to that. For eight weeks, fellows will be part of our team while working on their own research project. During this time, they will be in regular contact with our researchers and other fellows. Each fellow will have one of our researchers as their guide and mentor. Deadline to apply is April 2nd, 2023. You can find more details on how to apply on our website, end quote. Moving on to the community and media section for the week. Give Directly and Muslim Impact Lab has offer an option to Muslim donors, grow effective giving. Muslims make up around 24% of the world's total population, and Islam is the world's fastest growing religion. They give around $600 billion a year in zakat, the annual religious tithing of minimal 2.5% accumulated wealth to the global poor, usually informally or to less than effective NGOs. GiveDirectly has launched a zakat compliant fund to offer a high impact option. Since it's generally held that zakat can only be given to other Muslims, the fund gives cash to Yemeni families displaced by the civil war in Yemen. They asked readers to share the campaign far and wide. Next, we have an article called Write a Book by Jeff Kaufman. The author is considering writing a book on effective altruism, with particular focus on how to integrate EA ideas into your life and examples from their own family. For example, how to decide where to donate, whether to change careers, what sacrifices like avoiding flying or not having kids, etc. are and aren't worth the trade-off. It would be aimed at introducing EA to a general audience in a common sense manner and improving its popular conception. They're keen on feedback if they'd be the best person to write this. If anyone is interested in co-writing, if people would like to see this book and feel if it worth the opportunity cost of other work, advice on nonfiction industry and general thoughts and feedback are all welcome. The next article is called Some Problems and Operations at EA Orgs. Inputs from a Dozen Ops Staff by Vadihei. Agarwala and Amber Don. An April 2020 
two brainstorming session. Operations staff from eight to 12 EA-aligned organizations identified four main areas for improvement. First, knowledge management. Secondly, unrealistic expectations. Third, poor delegation. And fourth, a lack of prestige or respect for operations. Some of the top comments suggested some pretty major improvements that could be things like being willing to hire outside EA and ops staff getting into a habit of asking questions to understand the why of a task and whether to say yes to it or say no or rescope it. The next article is called How My Community Successfully Reduced Sexual Misconduct by Titotal. The author was a part of a community that had high rates of sexual misconduct before action was taken. The actions reduced reported instance drastically and there were four specific areas of action. First, kicking people out. Anyone accused of assault was banned. False accusations are very rare. Second, protect the newcomers. There was a policy that established members couldn't hit on or sleep with people in their first year within the community. Third, change the leadership. Getting rid of those who were accused of sexual misconduct or didn't take it seriously. And fourth, change the norms. Parties in pubs rather than houses, discussing less or sex less, and gradually losing the reputation as somewhere to go for casual sex. The next article is called It's Not All That Simple by Burn001. In this article, the author argues that the discourse around sex on the A forum has lacked nuance. They discuss how acceptable behaviors vary between classes and cultures and experiences from their life, where they found it difficult to figure out what both their and their partner's boundaries. The next article is by Ben Millwood and it's called The Illusion of Consensus About EA Celebrities. The author often has half-baked, tangential, discouraging, or non-actual criticisms of some respected EA figures. Criticisms like this are unlikely to surface, lean to the community as a whole seeming more differential or hero-worshipping than it actually is. This can in turn harm credibility with others who think negatively of those figures, or make newcomers think difference or deference is a norm. They suggest addressing this by writing forum posts about it and making disagreements among leaders visible, and pointing out to newcomers that everyone has a mix of good and bad ideas, with go-to examples of respected people's blind spots and mistakes. Moving on to the wrap-up session we typically do at the end of each episode, where we mention some of the special mentions of the week. These are articles that didn't quite meet the karma threshold, but seem important or undervalued. The first one of these is by Rethink Priorities, Jenny Kudamoa, and Ruby Dixon and Tom Hurd. It's called Exposure to Lead Paint in Low and Middle Income Countries. And one of the major takeaways from this piece, um, without summarizing in full, is that due to legislation, historically US-based lead concentrations in homes were six to 12 times higher than those in recently studied homes in some LMICs. That's absolutely insane. And then another of the special mentions for the week out of the three we have is called How Workstream EA Strengthens EA Orgs, Leaders, and Impact, Our Observations, Programs, and Plans by Dini Englander. And what Workstream EA is, is a uh, organization that offers operations and leadership fellowship programs and general business coaching to upskill core personal or personnel of EA organizations. And the last special mention is by John Klenna, and it's called Forecasting in the Czech Public Administration Preliminary Findings. And that is this week's episode of the Effective Altruism Forum Weekly. Thank you all so much for tuning in. 
And thank you again so, so, so much for listening to the entire thing. It means a lot to us. Uh, we are really, really happy with how this program is going. And it has been an absolute honor and absolute pleasure uh, to, be able to deliver such value to the community. So remember, as always, to stay engaged in the work and the ideas in the communities that help you to cultivate a sense of purpose in effective altruism and outside of it. Because I mean, it might be purpose that helps get us through a century, in addition to the more object-level interventions, of course. Anyways, thank you guys very much, and I will see you guys next week.